0: to the Global Recon Podcast. Here are your hosts, John from Global Recon and Mike from Fieldcraft, LLC, giving you the matter of facts.
1: Globalrecon.net, Fieldcraftsurvival.com. I'm your host, John Hendricks. Today, Mike Glover, the co-host, he's been feeling under the weather the last couple of days, so he sat this session out. So as some of you may know, some may not, today is the 50th anniversary of the Vietnam War. So, as a tribute to that and to the veterans of the Vietnam War, I have an interview with uh, Mac V. Sog team leader Mike Stahl, and Mike is going to give you guys a a war story of his last mission where he was wounded uh, while they were operating uh, deep behind enemy lines. So, before we get into that, I want to talk about the webinar. So the cutoff date to opt in for this survival mindset webinar is Wednesday, March 30th. The final payday will be on Thursday, the day, the day after. So if you want to opt in, you can opt in by Wednesday, and you have to make your payment by Thursday. So what we're going to do on Wednesday is we're going to send out an email with all the information that You need to sign up and then you can sign up Thursday and the actual webinar itself will take place during the afternoon hours of April 2nd, Saturday, April 2nd. So be ready for that. Now we're going to get into the interview with Mike Stahl and we hope you guys enjoy this. Hey, what's up guys? I am back on here with Mike Stahl and Mike is a Vietnam era Green Beret who he started off in special forces and then he went on to serve in MACV SOG as a team leader running recon uh, deep behind enemy lines in uh, Vietnam. So for anyone who knows anything about it, then you know like the, the level of uh, difficulty uh, for the missions for the soldiers of MACV SOG was tremendously high. And it took a lot of skill to complete these type of missions. So, Mike, can you kind of uh, give your official title for you know what you were doing when you were in SOG?
0: Uh, sure, John. Uh, of course, when I started out, when I first got into CCN, command and control north that operated out of uh, FOB, Marble Mountain, Da Nang, I was up at the launch team and I was an intel sergeant, did briefings and debriefings and came down to the talk for a while, the Tactical Operations Center, and I worked there as a team liaison sergeant. Uh, I don't really remember if we had actual names, but I worked with the teams, I gave them their missions and helped them get it together. Uh, but what I really wanted to do was run recon myself. Uh, and so eventually, through some putting some, uh, some pressure on, on headquarters, I managed to get into recon. Uh, I was assigned as the 1-1 to uh, recon team Michigan and did one, one, uh, one insert where we got shot off the LZ and my 1-0 de-roast, and I inherited the team. I uh, ran uh, four more missions as the 1-0. So when you say you put
1: some pressure on the command to get into recon what what exactly did that consist of
0: Well when I first got to CCN and and uh uh was getting my briefing I told them look it, I want to run recon that's why I came up here that's why I volunteered and they said well you know we 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 just lost our recon our intel sergeant up at Quang Tree uh would you go up there and you know do that job and as soon as we get somebody in to fill in we'll bring you back down well I went up there and unfortunately, I was too diligent about my job. I was sending out as well as the uh, immediate intelligence summaries. I was completing after action reports before the team got back down to Da Nang and the headquarters like that. And they kept me there and I kept reminding them they had promised to let me run recon. So then they gave me the job in Da Nang, I think is a bone, you know, to, you know, here's something to chew on and uh, it was really nice. I had a nice desk and an air-conditioned office. I was left alone, but that's not what I wanted to do. So finally, I just had to let an after-action report go to Saigon without cleaning it up. And the major came to me, and we came to an agreement that I was finally going to get to go to recon before, <laughs> I, before I de-roast. Uh, but that's that's the way Special Forces worked. I mean, it wasn't you know, it wasn't the, the regular army command and control type stuff. You know, the guy knew what I wanted and and he pushed me as far as he could to get the best out of me and then finally let me go where I wanted to, which damn near got me killed, of course. But yeah. <laughs> be careful what you wish for. Yeah.
1: Um, okay, so obviously for people who know about it, guys like yourself and then someone like me who's read books about it, uh the missions were very dangerous and like i said before it took a tremendous amount of skill and and like you've said i've heard you say before it took some luck to to make it out of of those type of situations so can you can we have a can you give the audience a a story of what uh one of your missions was like so they can try and get the, a fuller picture of what that means to run recon
0: Uh, Sure, John. I mean, any military man knows that that when you have a plan, a battle plan, you better have lots of contingencies because everything goes wrong. You know, it's Murphy's law in spades. Uh, And of course, it's it's no different than that in recon, except it's exaggerated because of the conditions and you can do everything right and luck go bad and you die and you do everything wrong and it just turns out right. Uh, I think the best example is our, is my last mission uh, as one zero. I had an ad hoc team. I hadn't run with any of these guys before. Uh, So that was very strange. Uh, We went in seven men on a POW snatch. And you got to remember that when we got missions, it wasn't here, take your team and do this. It was here, Sergeant Stahl. Uh, We think, your team would be suitable for this mission. Would you like it? It's a POW snatch. This is the target area. And By the way, a snatch is pulling one of the bad guys out as opposed to a POW maybe recovery which, when we would send a team in to try to get somebody that was was being moved north on the trail. So we were going in to get a bad guy, and, and it's totally up to the team leader to take it and then how he's going to run it. And you give your brief back and if, if it's accept acceptable you go.
1: So what so you, you went in with a team. Now I know these teams consisted of one or two Americans who were leading the team mm-hmm. and some type of indigenous forces who were like organic to Vietnam, people who, who've grown up and, and lived there their entire lives. Who what did that team consist of that you went in on with in your last mission?
0: Well, well, my team was were all brew, mountain yards. Uh, the mountain yard were the mountain people, the original indigenous people of Southeast Asia. Uh, the French called them that. Uh, they and the Vietnamese did not get along. The Vietnamese referred to them as monkeys without tails. Uh, within our recon company, we had Nungs, which were the Chinese Vietnamese. And we had Vietnamese and then the, the Mountain Yards, and, and I was lucky enough to have a brew team. Uh, the Mountain Yards uh, really bonded well with the Americans. Uh, when we got the mission, uh, it was one of the worst target areas in, you know, in our AO. Uh, there was no way we were going to sneak in, so uh, I pretty much decided to just uh, go in and be, be very blatant about it. Uh, and what we did is we went in seven men, three, three Americans and four mountain yards. Uh, of course you go in four first and three, you know, you set it up when you, cause you got a small LZ. So the choppers are coming in and trail, uh, we dropped in, made our insert broad daylight right above the trail. And then we, we went on the clear and called in a team emergency, uh, came up with a bogus story that we needed to be extracted right away <laughs> now here, here's where it comes in tricky uh later on we learned there were 15 around 1500 guys down in the valley three reinforced nba battalions
1: Wow.
0: so so we're talking on the clear about this team emergency we had to get extracted and uh so we got the okay they were going to come in and get us we popped smoke on the lz did the whole procedure, you know, uh, you know, I identify red smoke and then you j- pop a second color smoke and slicks came in and went out empty. Uh, we had gone in very heavily armed with, uh, uh a Chai Con machine gun and just loaded for bear. No, we didn't plan on staying there very long cause we figured Ron counter recon would be right there on top of us. They let us sit there all day long and, uh, not a peep. <laughs> so 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 that's where the plan went awry. They were supposed to come and get us, all our ships, everything were ready there to pull us out right away, and they didn't cooperate one little bit.
1: <laughs> so so basically you guys staged that false extraction to draw them in?
0: Yes, because by then we knew what their habits were, what their MO was and even in a case like that they would send a few men up there to see if we dropped equipment you know do their recon thing see how many men had been on the ground or whatever might you know might have been left behind uh they didn't do it or or more properly at the time it seemed like they didn't do it now looking back i think they were watching us the whole time and just shadowing us to see what the hell we were going to do Right, so they
1: they saw the maybe they saw the false extraction and they just waited, and and maybe they felt like they were being baited. Do you think?
0: Well, it could have been that, or or they could have had a a team in the area that that caught on to what we were doing, and then rather than uh you know engage us right then, uh just wanted to see what the hell we were going to do. Or they may, you know, I'm just speculating. They may came up, they might have come up and caught us later. But obviously, by the next morning, they knew where we were because they had us pinned against a very bad area.
1: Okay, so so you guys stayed there for a day, which is very long for a recon operation. Um, oh, he- and then when and then they ambush you guys, what happened after that?
0: Well, well, let me tell you. Okay, so so the the sun's going down. Uh, we had to move. You know, you move at last in the light. The last thing you want to do. Uh, We set up a little perimeter, the way the recon does it, and we had little uh, uh, seismic sensors we put out that, uh, you know, on our back trail, so we could hear troop movement or whatever. Uh, You spend a very uneasy night in the jungle. Uh, We that night we heard, uh, I think it was 17 trucks with three tracked escorts come down the trail, going north to south. Uh, Next morning we were awakened to the sound of explosions down on the trail. And we got into a position where we could determine that it was probably a, a group of engineers repairing uh, bomb damage, you know, the B-52 damage, because this was this was a very obvious part of the trail, one of the big highway-looking parts. And uh, so we formulated a plan to uh, call in an airstrike on the engineers, and while they were getting the, the stuff bombed out of them, Uh, we were going to swoop in in the confusion and snatch one of them up and have our slicks ready to come in and get us out right away. So uh, uh, since they didn't come to us, we needed to complete the mission. So our plan was to go in down there and convince one of them to come home with us. (laughs) Okay, so, uh, but first light, we'd moved around. There was no fact. We didn't have any commo. And you got to keep in mind, we're so far out in the boonies, if we don't have aircraft over our head, you know, we didn't have satellite phones or any of that stuff. We just had the old PRC, the Prick 25 basically, and short-range FM radio, line of sight. And uh, there was no fax. So we're sitting in a in what we called a day defensive position, uh, trying to get camo so that we can start our plan. <laughs> and uh, uh, interesting enough, during that time... Uh, we had gone through uh, some pretty heavy elephant grass to get into this position where we were fairly uh, secure. Uh, we heard a crash back in our back trail, and we went on hyper alert. And again, looking back now, it was probably counter recon. Somebody stumbled, but uh, we assumed after you know some time of no no follow up from that area that uh, it was a you know because there's birds, monkeys, all kinds of crap. So we assumed it was natural, and, and looking back now, I think they were watching us right then. So anyway, uh, I don't want to keep talking here, John. If you got a question, interject. No, no, should...
1: no, no, that's fine. <laughs> man. keep
0: talking. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, I'm, I'm I keep calling up Covey, you know, call, you know, and and uh, it was getting late in the day. We're supposed to have a fac overhead at first light. Course, you don't know another team can be in trouble. You know, there's lots of reasons air assets might have to leave you out there on your own. Uh, but we had the call sign for a, a communication radio relays orbiting C 130. Uh, they had one over Laos and one over, uh, uh, I believe they had one over Cambodia also. But it was primarily for, you know, if a plane went in, if a B 52 got shot down, what the heck ever, that there would be something up there. And their call sign was, uh, Hillsboro in the daytime. So I called up Hillsborough, got them on my radio, uh, was able to kind of identify that I needed to talk to my command. Now this, you, you see the new movies with the, 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 the satellite communication and everything. This is the way it worked for me. I talked to this air force guy in a C C-130 at about 30,000 feet over my head someplace. He called his unit down at Tonsonut outside of Saigon, who called my unit in Da Nang on a landline on a regular telephone that you dial up to tell them I needed a FAC. <laughs> okay. That's crazy. And then they they got back on the landline and told me through the through Hillsboro that a FAC was on the way. Uh, so as soon as the FAC got there, I told them my dumb plan. You know, I said, you know, we want fast mover scrambled. Uh, we're gonna, you know, scramble the slicks. We're gonna, we're gonna go down right onto the trail. And as soon as you start your airstrike, you know, and they're running around and going into bunkers, we're gonna snatch one out and pull us out. You know, so my FAC, uh, he, you know, talks to my HQ, and damned if they didn't give us a thumbs up. He comes back and tells me the fast movers are being scrambled. I turned around and gave my team the thumbs up to let them know. Get ready to go. You know we're going to be moving out. Uh, well, here we get we get. You got to know recon. You never take off your web gear. You know you may you may drop your pack, your food or whatever, but the web gear you're wearing, your ammunition, and all that stuff, you never drop it. I turned around and this new guy. I told you it was an ad hoc team. I'd never run with these people before. My one two, my my uh, what we would call the camo man stood up to put his web gear back on (laughs) okay so we're all hunkered down and this guy stands up my mouth fell open as he starts to throw his web gear on and that's when i saw him take a round through his gut his his gut just peeled right open Wow! so by him doing something that was totally stupid he saved our lives because i mean again i'm assuming but one of their guys when he stood up one of their guys freaked and opened fire and started the firefight. If they had waited another 10 minutes, they would have wiped out the whole team without a, up. Without and they could have rolled rocks down on us because we were heading downhill and they would have been above us and we would have had no cover. But as it was, as uh, soon as I saw saw Terry get hit, I got on the, on the horn and I started screaming prairie fire, which was our... Prairie fire was our classification, top secret prairie fire. It was also our AO. We operated in area area of operation prairie fire. And uh, it was also our get me the hell out of here. I'm going to die call. Yeah. <laughs> A prairie fire emergency was I'm dying. Uh, unfortunately, uh, my radio had gone dead. Uh, I had no comma with my fact when I got on uh, to scream for help. Um, and uh, I also found out, of course, I was trying to return fire, so I was trying to pick up my CAR-15 with my left hand, and my uh, my hand wouldn't grip my weapon because uh, in the initial burst, some shrapnel had taken out the nerves in the back of my tricep. Uh, wow. That's a little redundant. Most triceps are in the back, <laughs> but <laughs> you get the picture, okay, So, but I didn't feel anything. I didn't know I'd been hit. All I knew was I, my, my car 15 was laying across my lap, and I couldn't pick the damn thing up, uh, and my radio didn't work. <laughs> so so I I was a bit of a pickle, but we carried a, what we called an ERC-10, a URC-10, and it was an emergency UHF radio, and I got on that and started screaming for help. Uh, luckily, the fact, you know, he was right there. He, he found out where we were taking fire from. He rolled in and put in some WP white phosphorus rockets. They carried uh, seven under each wing for spotter rounds for the the fast movers and the SPADs. Uh, Those are the A1Es, the old uh, World War II uh, fighter bombers that that were such good close support for us. So he was able to shut down their fire right away. And uh, then uh, fast movers, SPADs got there. And we pretty much sat there for four hours while they suppressed anti-aircraft enough to get the uh, slicks in to get us out. Uh, It was the second time, the mission before that, I had to call Napalm in so close that uh, uh, John Plaster, I think, coined the term maybe uh, danger close, but real close. Uh, I had to call in Napalm so close that we got... uh, Burns on us, and my one-two in that mission got a piece of the canister in the top of his head. Uh, On this last mission, a SPAD rolled in with cluster bombs, which are nasty little dudes. And here's luck again. He laid those cluster bombs right across where the bad guys were shooting from, and one of them bounced right into our perimeter and landed between me and my assistant team leader. Uh, I can can shut my – I don't even have to shut my eyes to see it. It looked like a big – Big capsule, like a big capsule you take medicine. That shape, yeah. bright yellow. <laughs> About, uh, I would guess now ten inches long, but it was a dud and did not explode. Wow! If that, if that, ca- that one bomblet, if it had exploded, it would have taken me and my assistant team leader out. So. Wow. So uh, then after, uh, they, let's see, we made contact at 10, and then at 1,400, they, they came in with the slicks. Uh, the first slick came in, uh, took out me because I had lost so much blood. I was I was becoming uh, very dysfunctional. As a matter of fact, I had to turn uh, command of the team over to my assistant team leader because I wasn't sure uh, if I was going to maintain consciousness. Uh, so uh, uh, my one-two had to go out on a stretcher. And I went out with him. Uh, I wanted to stay with the team as dumb as that would have been because I wouldn't have been less effective. But uh, my one, my assistant team leader, the one, one was smart enough to say, look at dude, you gave me command and you're getting the hell out of here, which left five good men on the ground. See, so he was smart. Uh, Me being trying to be first in and last out would have been the dumb thing to do. But here's the trick: we got out and headed to headed to the mash at uh, Kong Tree. Next slick came in to get the rest of the team, and they weren't even off the ground before the windshield was shot out of that slick. So they flew all the way back uh, in a in a Huey with no windshield. But I am proud to say, in spite of everything, all the dumb luck, all the dumb decisions, I got my team out intact.
1: Yeah, that's awesome, and. And um, to be in that situation and to get everybody out is, is pretty amazing. So,
0: well, I'm, it's, there's a lot of luck involved and a lot yeah. of good men hanging their butts out. And, you know, as we talked uh, the last uh, time, you know, chopper, slick pilots coming in. Uh, but it's, it's, you know, we didn't get the prisoner. But the thing is, I always consider it a successful mission because we wreaked, death and destruction on them, you know, four hours of airstrikes taking out in aircraft positions and bombing. And, uh, you know, we were the bait, uh, we got out, but, but, uh, by God, we inflicted a hell of a lot more damage on them than they did on us. And that's what our job was. Right.
1: So the, that's from the time that your, your teammate took that, that round to the stomach. And, and while you guys are calling in airstrikes and whatnot, Were you guys in a gunfight while this was happening?
0: Uh, Not really. Uh, After that uh, fact rolled in and put those rockets in, and then they put the uh, cluster bombs in there, I think, you know, again, I'm speculating, but I think the only thing we had on us was maybe a 10 or 12-man counter-recon team. They were suppressed. But by the time, four hours later, by the time the Slicks moved in, they moved one of their counter-recon patrols up. Who would have probably been ready to to take us out had we not have gotten out by fourteen hundred?
1: Right. So typically, uh, for a team running recon, by the time they make that prairie fire call over the radio, uh, the the enemy's objective is to try and overrun you guys as quick as possible. Is, is that uh, is that right?
0: Uh, no, not necessarily, because we were more value to them as bait. Because, uh, you know, once the counter-recon teams held the, our recon team down, then they'd bring in a platoon. And obviously, they wanted to kill and capture us eventually. Although not always, well, they weren't nice about it. Sometimes they, they would torture a guy to death and then they'd let another team member go to take the message back that don't come back in here. But but the idea was is, is really to screw with us. And they could use us. Uh, as bait, because they knew that slicks and spads and fast movers would be coming in, and so as late as the war is that I was running recon, they were well prepared with with their uh, 51 cals and the 30 mic Mike mics and all that stuff to shoot down our ships. So uh, rather than kill one or two recon guys, which you know obviously they weren't going to stop us, hell, just keep us pinned down, and then after dark when the, Nobody could get us out anymore. Then they could come in and take care of us at, at their will if we couldn't sneak off. Of course, the whole idea of running recon is to get in, do your job, not make contact. You know, you don't go in to fight and get to hell out. But it just didn't work out that way a lot. So we had to be prepared to to both run and fight. Right.
1: and And that's like a. To even think about it, you know, from the outside looking in, I mean, that's just crazy.
0: Well, I think, you know, at some point over the last 40 years, I was I was sitting thinking about, you know, because as a non-vet with PTSD, I rerun these missions constantly. Uh, but, you know, thinking about, I gotten old enough to look back and say, what the hell was I thinking? Yeah. You know? <laughs> I had a nice, safe, air-conditioned job and a big bunker. Of course, C.C.N. had gotten hit very badly just after I left uh, Vietnam, the first tour. Uh, let's say I left in August of '68, and I think it was that month that they got uh, they got hit from the from the beach primarily.
1: Yeah, and um, uh, and by, uh, it was a, that Marble Mountain area.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm, 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 I'm
1: actually reading about that, like literally right now. I mean, not as we we're talking, but in the book that I'm reading. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah uh yeah uh, so see and I didn't know anything about that cuz you know I was there I left I went back to language school you lose touch and I come back and I get into CCN and and nobody's talking about it by then cuz this is over a year later but then you start hearing the rumors and 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 I didn't really find out about it till I read Plaster's book <laughs>
1: Yeah, years
0: and, later, you know that, right. uh, and they got hit. The,
1: they got hit pretty bad.
0: When very happened. badly, very badly. But a lot of of, well, what would you expect? A lot of heroics on the part of the Americans, you know, and right, and uh, and Jason, uh, Jason's book, uh, uh, Dental Propositions. He he runs through that too, in, in yeah. part of his, because his is is really, you know, it would be a docudrama. It's he's dramatized what we did, but he's done such a good job of it, and he's included all of the, the human interest part as well as the death and destruction. So he's included uh, some of the real, in his fictionalized account, some of the real acts of heroism that happened during some of that stuff.
1: Right. It's, it's very interesting to read Jason's book. Uh, after that. I read a bunch of different uh, SOG books and uh, Project Delta books, and then to hear, to, to read his book, knowing that it's it's fictionalized, but just the, the authenticity of it was just astounding because of, you know, how much he researched uh, the subject and then
0: his skill at, at writing. And, and developing characters. I mean, that's, you know, I can sit down and I can write an after action report. And, you know, I've been to college, so I can write a fairly good academic paper. But I can't bring characters to life. That takes real talent, and it's that entertainment that makes the story palatable. Then, yeah. <laughs> you know, otherwise you're just reading an army after-action report. And frankly, and you know, I, 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 I buy and read the books of of my brothers, and you know, some of them I shake my head at, and some of them I say, well, maybe because you know I don't know, and and some of them I say, wow, you know. I'm glad I don't try to write like this because <laughs> <laughs> it's just you know they're 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 trying to get the history out. It's important, you know, you know it's like looking back at Merrill's Marauders or or whatever, you know, the Patan Death March. It's important to get the information about these little missions that nobody knows about, and it's really hard to do that in a way that's palatable. I can't do it, you know. That's why I'm trying so he- hard to recruit. Uh, Jason to bring my stories to life hell he's already done 10 years uh, of research knows more about it than I do
1: (laughs) yeah but he he hates being
0: called an expert I know it (laughs) I know but sometimes you just have to bear bear the mantle yep And he is. I mean, he really is. As far as having a broad base of information, you know, uh, I have no problem if I, if somebody, you know, I, have got friends from, you know, Facebook friends from other areas and they ask me a question. I have no problem asking, asking Jason, Hey, what do you think about this? You weren't there, but you've talked to everybody that was, you know, rather than, than go on Facebook and hope I hit one guy that might out there that, that recognizes that, that tidbit of data.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's funny. I do the same thing. Uh, like people comment because I, I post a lot of stuff about SOG and um, you know special forces in Vietnam or Navy SEALs in Vietnam, and a lot of times people have questions asking for further information, and I'll I literally just refer to Jason every single time.
0: <laughs> right. So, so. uh You know, it's. uh, I had to testify in court once. I got a master's degree in communication, and the attorney said, "Well, well, you're the expert in communication." And I said, "No, Uh, I said I don't classify myself as an expert. I just want to bet that I know more about it than you do. (laughs) (laughs) If you want to call me an expert, go ahead. You know, uh, it's all a matter of perspective." Yep.
1: Uh, Okay. Yeah. So that that's really interesting, and I hope uh, the especially the younger generation of americans who are going up and considering serving their country i think it's important that they hear the stories of the men who wore the uniform before they before they are going to or before they did so um you know i really appreciate you sharing that story with with the listeners like i said i just want them to to understand what putting that uniform on means and um you know i just want to thank you again for telling that story and for the listeners, we're going to have Mike on talking about a bunch of different topics that are including PTSD and um, the VA and things like
0: that. Uh, so we'll, did, we'll get did, that in did, the future. you know? Hey, John. Yeah. You did spit after you said VA, didn't you? Did I? You did spit. No. <laughs> <laughs> You're supposed to spit after you say dirty words.
1: Ah, there you go. I'm, I'm I'm like wait a minute did I actually physically spit no <laughs> yeah so I so there you go you 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 uh you can get a little bit of Mike's perspective on that <laughs> but um yeah it's definitely important and and uh, worth talking about and I think it's really interesting especially for the GWAT veterans the veterans of the wars of Iraq and Afghanistan and elsewhere in this. Global Pursuit of Countering Terrorism to hear about these issues from veterans who served in wars past. So we, we kind of want to have a little bit for everyone um, with, with those PTSD episodes that we're we're planning on doing soon. So, Mike, once again, I just want to thank you for coming on. And I, I really appreciate uh, you coming on and, and telling your story.
0: Sure, John. Anytime. I really enjoy talking to you guys.
1: So, Mike, can you drop uh, the the handle for your website uh, so people uh, sure. can check you out?
0: Sure. Uh, uh, real quick backstory. Uh, my first tour in Vietnam on the A team, uh, our call sign was Tricky Misfit, and I am carrying on that tradition. So, I have become Tricky Misfit, and my website is www.trickymisfit.com. T R I C K Y Misfit. Uh, Oddly enough, I fit both descriptions, and if you go there, I invite you to see some of the videos I put together about Vietnam and a tribute to warriors and, and read some of my attempts to write some of my anecdotes down before, uh, before my mind completely goes blank.
1: <laughs> Hi, so you know what we'll do um, in the uh, podcast notes, which I put up after every episode on my website, I'll link specifically some of those videos so people can just you know one-shot click and get right to the video.
0: Yeah, that's that's what I do on Facebook too.
1: Okay, cool. So, uh we'll, we'll talk to you soon, Mike, and um you know, we'll put out some good episodes. Okay, John, sounds good. I really enjoy having Mike on. Those are always interesting sessions for me, especially having an interest in Vietnam and specifically some of the operations that were run by these special reconnaissance units. So, with that being said, I'm gonna close out the episode once again for everyone who wants to opt into the webinar. The cutoff date is Wednesday this Wednesday coming up. the cutoff date for payment is Thursday the following day and then the seminar I mean the webinar sorry itself will be held on Saturday during the afternoon hours, Eastern Standard Time and we're gonna email all of the details to everyone who opted in. so be on the lookout for that. And you can find Mike Glover's website is fieldcraftsurvival.com. His Facebook is fieldcraftllc. His Instagram is soft survivor. And his Twitter is IG soft survivor. My website is globalrecon.net. My Instagram is IG recon. And my Twitter is IG recon. It's the same handle. And my Facebook is FB recon. Now, Jason Economos, his book that we spoke about in the interview with Mike Stahl. is called Gentle Propositions. I'll, I'll set, set up a link for that on the podcast notes on my website, or you can just go to amazon.com and search Gentle Propositions. All right, we'll see you guys in a couple of days with another episode. Peace.